The Fox Skin by Gudmundur G. Hagalin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jerry Dixon. The Fox Skin by Gudmundur G. Hagalin. No need to take care now about fastening the door, Arnie of Bali said to himself as he wrapped the string around the nail driven into the doorpost of the outlying sheep coat. Then he turned around, took out his handkerchief, and putting it to his nose, blew vigorously. This done, he folded the handkerchief together again, wiped his mouth and nose, and took out his snuff horn. What fine balmy weather, thought Arnie. That miserable fox won't come near sheep coats or houses now. Blast its hide. Yes, it had caused him many a wakeful night. All the neighboring farmers would have the fool's luck to catch a fox every single winter. All but him. He couldn't even wound a vixen, and had in all his life never caught any kind of fox. Wouldn't it be fun to bring home a dark brown pelt, one with fine overhair? Yes, wouldn't that be fun? Arnie shook his head in delight, cleared his throat vigorously, and took a pinch of snuff. Bending his steps homeward, he tottered along with his body half-stooped, as was his habit, and his hands behind his back. When he looked up, he did not straighten out, but bent his neck back so his head lay between his shoulder blades. Then his red-rimmed eyes looked as if they were about to pop out of his head. His dark red beard rose up as though striving to free itself from its roots, and his empurpled nose and scarlet cheekbones protruded. Pretty good underfoot, thought Arnie. At least it was easy to go between the sheep coats and the house. Everything pretty quiet just now. The sheep took care of themselves during the day, and grazing was plentiful along the seashore and on the hillsides. No reason why he might not now and then lie in wait, somewhat into the night, in the hope of catching a fox. He wasn't too tired for that. But he had given up all that sort of thing. It brought only vexation and trouble. Besides, he had told everybody that he did not think it was worth his while to waste his time on such things, and perhaps catch his death to boot. The Lord knew that was a mere pretense. Eighty crowns for a beautiful dark brown fox skin was a tidy sum. But a man had to think up something to say for himself, the way they all harped on fox hunting. Bjarnia Fell caught a white vixen night before last, or Einar of Brecca caught a brown dog fox yesterday. Or if a man stepped over to a neighbor's for a moment, any hunting? Anyone shot a fox? Our Gisley here caught a grayish-brown one last evening, such incessant twaddle. Arnie's breath came short. Wasn't it enough if a man made an honest living? Yet work or achievement which brought no joy was unblessed. At this point, Samir darted up. Arnie thought the dog had deserted him and rushed off home. Now what in the world ailed the creature? Shame on you for a pesky cur. Can't you be still a minute, you brute? Must I beat you? asked Arnie, making threatening gestures at Samir a large black-spotted dog with ugly shaggy hair. But Samir darted away, ran off whimpering. He would pause now and then and look back at his master, until finally he disappeared behind a big boulder. What's got into the beast? He can't have found a fox trail, can he? Arnie walked straight to the rock where Samir had disappeared. Then, slowing down his pace, he tiptoed as if he expected to find a fox hidden there. Yes, there was Samir. There he lay in front of a hole whimpering and wagging his tail. Shame on you, Samur. Arnie lay down prone on the snow and stretched his arm into the hole. But all of a sudden he jerked his hand back. 
his heart beating as if it would tear itself out of his breast. He had so plainly felt something furry inside the hole, and he was badly mistaken if a strong fox odor did not come out of it. Was the fox alive, or was it dead? Might it bite him fatally? But that made no difference. Now that he had a good chance of taking a fox, it was do or die. He stood up straight and stretched every muscle, and pulled the mitten on his right hand carefully up over his wrist. Then he knelt down, thrust his hand in the hole, set his teeth, and screwed up his face. Yes, now he had caught hold of it and was pulling it carefully out. Well, 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 not so bad. A dark brown tail, a glossy body, and what fine overhair. For once Arnie of Bally had some luck. The fox was dead. It had been shot in the belly and just crept in there to die. Sly devil, poor beast, blessed creature. Arnie ended by feeling quite tenderly towards the fox. He hardly knew how to give utterance to his joy. Good old Samur, my own precious dog, let me pat you, said Arnie, rubbing the dog's cheek with his own. They could shout themselves blue in the face. It was no trick to kill all you wanted of these little devils, if you just had the powder and shot, and were willing to waste your time on it. But here Arnie's face fell. He did not even have his gun with him. It stood, all covered with rust, at home out in the shed. Just his luck. And how could he claim to have shot a fox without a gun? Get out of here, Samur. Shame on you, you rascal. And Arnie booted Samur so hard that the dog yelped. But in direst need, help is at hand. He could wait for the cover of darkness. Not even his wife should know but that he had shot the fox. Wouldn't she stare at him? She had always defied him and tried to belittle him. No, she should not learn the truth, she least of all. He would not tell a soul. Now Samur, he knew how to hold his tongue, faithful creature. Arnie sat down on the rock with the fox on his knees and started singing to pass the time allowing his good cheer to ring out as far as his voice would carry. My fine Sunday cap has been carried away by a furious gale, and I'll wear it no more to the chapel to pray in the wind and the hail. He chanted this ballad over and over again until he was tired, then sat still, smiling and stroking the fox skin. He had learned the song when he was a child from his mother, who had sung it all day long one spring while she was shearing the sheep, and he could not think of any other for the moment. It wasn't, in fact, a bad song. There were many good rhymesters in Iceland. He began singing again, rocking his body back and forth vehemently, and stroking the fox skin the while. And Samur, who sat in front of him, cocked his head first on one side, then on the other, and gave him a knowing look. At last the dog stretched out his neck, raised his muzzle into the air, and howled, using every variation of key known to him. At this Arnie stopped short and stared at him, then bending his head slightly to one side to study him, he roared with laughter. What an extraordinary dog! <laughs> yes, really extraordinary. In the little kitchen at Bali, Groa the mistress crouched before the stove, and poked the fire with such vigor that both ashes and embers flew out on the floor. She was preparing to heat a mouthful of porridge for supper for her old man and the brats. She stood up, rubbed her eyes, and swore. The horrid smoke that always came from that rattle-trap of a stove. And that wretched old fool of a husband was not man enough to fix it. Oh no, he wasn't handy enough for that. He wanted every blessed thing as if his fingers were all thumbs. 
And where could he be loafing tonight? Not home yet. Serve him right if she locked the house and allowed him to stay in the sheep coats, or whatever it was he was dawdling. There now, those infernal brats were at the spinning wheel. Groa jumped up, darted into the passage, and went to the stairs. Will you leave that spinning wheel be, you young devils? If you break the flyer or the upright, your little old mother will be after you. A dead calm ensued. So Groa returned to the kitchen, and taking a loaf of pot bread from the cupboard, cut a few slices and spread them with dripping. Now a scratching sound was heard at the door, and Arnie entered. Good evening to all, said he with urbanity, as he set down the gun behind the kitchen door. Here's that gun. It has certainly paid for itself, poor old thing. His wife did not reply to his greeting, but she eyed him askance, with a look that was anything but loving. Been fooling around with that gun? Why the blazes couldn't you have come home and brought me a bit of peat from the pit? A fine hunter you are. I might as well have married the devil. And his wife turned from him with a sneer. You're in a nice temper now, my dear. But just take a look at this, said Arnie, throwing down the brown fox on the kitchen floor. At first, Groa stared at her husband as if she had never seen him before. Then she shook her head and smiled sarcastically. You found it dead, I'll wager. Arnie started. His face turned red and his eyes protruded. You would say that. You don't let me forget what a superior woman I married. Found it dead, and Arnie plumped down on the wood box. His wife laughed. I'll wager I hit the nail on the head that time. Arnie jumped to his feet. That confounded old witch should not spoil his pleasure. You're as stark raving mad as you always have been, but I don't care what you say. Kids, come and look at the fox your father has shot. Three days later, they had a visitor. Arnie stood outside and stared at him. For a wonder, somebody had at last found his way to Arnie's. Days and nights had passed, but nobody had come. They always came when they weren't wanted. And now came John of Lawn, that overbearing fellow. But now he could see that Arnie of Bally was also a man among men. Howdy, Arnie, you poor fish, said John, fixing his steely gray eyes on Arnie. How are you, old snake, answered Arnie, smiling contemptuously. What monstrous eyes John had when he looked at a person. Has something special happened? You're somehow so puffed up today, said John with a sarcastic smile. Darn him, muttered Arnie. Was he going to act just like Groa? In that case, Arnie had at least a trump card in reserve. Did you say something? inquired John, sticking a quid of tobacco into his mouth. Or wasn't it meant for my ears? Oh well, I don't care for your mutterings, you poor wretch. But now, go ask your wife to give me a little drink of sour whey. Arnie turned round slowly and lazily. Wasn't the old fellow going to notice the skin? It wasn't so small that it couldn't be seen. There it hung on the wall, right in the sunlight, combed and beautifully glossy. That's quite a nice fox skin. Whose is it? asked John, walking over to the wall. Arnie turned round. He could feel his heart beating fast. Mine, he said, with what calm he could muster. What is the idea of you buying a fox skin, you poor beggar? Buying, Arnie sighed. You think I can't shoot me a fox? You, John laughed. That's a downright lie, my dear Arnie. A lie. You'd best not tell people they lie unless you know more about it. A scoundrel like you, I say, a scoundrel like you, replied Arnie, swelling. I think you'd better be getting in and see her. You know her pretty well, I believe. John looked at the farmer of Bali with his steely eyes. For whom are you keeping the skin, Arnie? 
No one, said Arnie crossly. Then, after some hesitation, the Lord gave it to me. All right, Arnie. Miracles never cease. That is plain enough after this, and no question about it. That's an eighty-crowned skin, however you came by it. But now let's go in and see Groa. As you say, I know her pretty well. She was a smart girl, you poor wretch. Too bad I was married and had to throw her to a creature like you. Arnie grinned, and trotting to the door of the house, called, Groa, a visitor to see you. The woman came to the door. A smile played about her lips. Smoldering embers glowed in her blue eyes, and the sunlight lighted up the unkempt braids of golden hair which fell down about her pale cheeks. But Arnie for once was satisfied. At last John was properly impressed. The affair between Groa and John was something that could not be helped. John surely regretted having lost that girl, yes indeed, and she had her good points. She was smart, and a hundred crowns a year, besides everything else that was brought them from Lon, was pretty good compensation. Yes, many a man had married less well than Arnie of Bally. And the children were his, most of them anyway. Nobody need tell him anything else. The fox skin became Arnie of Bally's most cherished possession. Every day, when the weather was clear, he would hang it, well smoothed and combed, on the outside wall, and when he left home he carefully put it away in a safe place. The skin became famous throughout the district, and many of the younger men made special trips to Bally to examine it. Arnie would beam with joy and strut around with a knowing, self-satisfied expression on his face, and would tell of the patience, the agility, and the marksmanship he had to put into killing this monstrously clever fox. It certainly wasn't hard to kill all you wanted of these devils, if you just had the powder and shot and were willing to give your time to it, he would say, as he turned the skin so that the sunlight shone full on the glossy pelt. Then one day that fall, Arnie came home from tending the sheep, which had just been brought down from the mountain pastures. He hung the skin out and went into the kitchen, where Groa was busy washing, sat down on a box by the wall on the other side of the room, let his head rest on his hands, and looked wise. For a while there was silence. At last Groa looked up from her wash-tub and gave Arnie a piercing glance. Have you got your eye on a cow to replace the gray-spotted one we killed last spring? Cow? asked Arnie, scratching his head. Cow, yes, so you say, my good woman. So I say, do you think the milk from Dumbo alone goes very far in feeding such a flock of children as we have? You haven't gone and squandered the money we got for Scalda? asked Groa, looking harder still at her husband. Don't be foolish, woman. The money lies untouched at the factors. But he wouldn't pay much for the meat and the hide of Scalda, not anywhere near enough to buy a good milking cow. He said the English on the trawlers don't set much store by cow's meat. The summer has been only so-so, and I'm sure we'll have plenty of uses for what money I've been able to scrape together. Of course, a cow is a good thing to buy, an enjoyable luxury, if only you have plenty of money. If you can't scrape together the money for a cow, we must cut expenses somehow. Perhaps you could stop stuffing your nostrils with that dirty snuff, and you ought at any rate to be able to sell that fancy fox skin you play with so childishly. Is that so? Yes, you play with that wretched fox skin just exactly like any crazy youngster. Wretched, is it? Take care what you say, woman, wretched skin. A fine judge of such matters you are. And standing up, Arnie paced the kitchen floor. An eighty-crowned skin, and you call it wretched. 
John of Lawn didn't call it any names. You'll believe at least what he says. Now don't get puffed up. You ought to be thankful to get what you can for the skin. It will help in buying the cow. The cow? Let me tell you, woman, that I am not going to buy a cow for the skin. You can take it from me that you will never get a cow for that skin, or anything else, in fact. The farmer at Lawn can shell out whatever is needed for buying the cow. That's the least he can do for you. Groa stopped her washing, stared for a few seconds at Arnie, and then with a quick movement walked up to him, brandishing a bit of wet linen. Will you tell me what you're going to do with the skin? She asked almost in a whisper. Arnie shrank back. The weight of the door was cut off. He raised his arm in self-defense and retreated as far as possible into the corner. I'm going to sell it. Now be reasonable, Groa. I'm going to sell it. And what are you going to buy for it? His wife hissed, boring into him with her eyes. A cow. I'm going to buy a cow for it. You lie. You know you're not going to sell it. You're going to play with it. Know your children hungering for milk and play with the skin. My children? No, God be praised. They're not yours, said Groa, allowing the blows to rain on Arnie. But now I'll keep the skin for you. And like an arrow, she shot out of the door, all out of breath and trembling. For a few seconds, Arnie stood still. His eyes seemed bursting out of their sockets, and the hair in his beard stood on end. In a flash, he rushed over the kitchen floor and out of the house. Groa had just taken the skin down off the nail on the wall. Now she brandished it and looked at Arnie with fury in her gaze. But he did not wait. He rushed at her, gave her such a shove that she fell, and snatching the skin from her, ran. A safe distance away, he turned and stood panting for several seconds. At last, exhausted and trembling with rage, he hissed. I tell you, Groa, I'll have my way about this. The skin is the only thing that is all my own, and no one shall take it from me. Arnie fled then. He took to his heels and ran away as fast as he could up the slopes. Far in the innermost corner of the outlying sheepcote at Bally, to which the sun's rays never reach, Arnie built himself a little cupboard. This cupboard is kept carefully locked, and Arnie carries the key on a string which hangs around his neck. Arnie now has become quite prosperous. For a long time it was thought he must keep money in the cupboard, but last spring an acquaintance of his stopped at the outlying sheepcote on his way from the village. The man had some liquor with him and gave Arnie a taste. At last the visitor was allowed to see what the cupboard contained, a carefully combed and smooth dark brown fox skin. Arnie was visibly moved by the unveiling of his secret. Staring at the ceiling, he licked his whiskers and sighed deeply. It seems to me, Gisley, he said to his friend, that I'd rather lose all my ewes than this skin, for it was the thing which once made me say, thus far and no farther, and since then I seem to own something right here in my breast, which not even John of Lawn can take away from me. I think I am now beginning to understand what is meant in the scriptures by the treasure which neither moth nor rust can corrupt. Arnie's red-rimmed eyes were moist. For a while he stood there thinking, but all of a sudden he shook his head, and turning to his acquaintance, said, Let's see the bottle. A man seems to feel warmer inside if he gets a little drop. And Arnie shook himself, as if the mental strain of his philosophizing had occasioned him in a slight chill. End of The Fox Skin Recording by Jerry Dixon, Zephyr Hills, Florida